Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. Your safety when traveling to and from Asheville is and always will be our top priority. Visit flyavl.com for all your current travel information. Prestige Subaru, offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus. Built with the zero landfill promise, all waste is recycled or reused with more at PrestigeSubaru.com. RomanticAsheville.com. Create your perfect vacation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Plan your next getaway to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains by visiting RomanticAsheville.com. Nest Realty and Realtor Janet Oppenheimer. A senior resource specialist, Janet serves the Asheville, North Carolina area. Visit nestrealty.com and look for your trusted mountain community advisor, Janet Oppenheimer. And by Asheville Farms. Unlock the potential CBD has in your life with Western North Carolina's premier supplier of high-quality hemp and CBD products. Visit our store at 28 North Lexington Avenue in Asheville and by visiting AshevilleHempFarmsNC.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball. Welcome to Speaking of Travel right here on iHeartRadio 570 WWNC. And remember, you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website, that's speakingoftravel.net, and on all worldwide podcast platforms. And be sure when you visit speakingoftravel.net to sign up for the Travel Club. You'll receive travel news, helpful tips, and links to stories from people who believe everyone has the capacity to foster a powerful voice for creativity and global change. My guest today is Yaro Grainer, a pioneer of social networking, a creative alchemist, and Hatch founder. He's been building communities for over 20 years, and he is a change maker. With his vision and Hatch community, he unites creative leaders to help create a better world through mentorship and creativity and innovation. Think of it as an ecosystem of transformative experiences, helping to create a beautiful, sustainable, and just world. And Yaro, it is just such a pleasure to have you here on Speaking of Travel. Thank you so much, Marilyn. What, a, what an honor to be here. So, Yaro, actually, I've known you for quite some time from really when you started Hatch way back when. When was that, like 1994 or something? Well, next year will be our 20th year. So we founded Hatch at kind of the cusp of 2023 and 2024. And I think it was our third or fourth year that we decided to bring Hatch to Asheville, North Carolina, with some amazing partners, uh, some of which are still there. And we... I fell in love with that community uh, in that experience. Well, I think everybody fell in love with you, too. So it was a mutual admiration kind of 
creativity thing going on. And, you know, Yara, I've done a, a, I've been following you for a long time. It's Hatch is just, it seems like was the beginning, not even the beginning. You were well on your way of doing creative work and social justice. But give us a little backstory on, on your travel and how you became such a world jet-setting traveler. Was that something you did when you were a kid? Were you a traveling kid? Actually, no. I was raised by a single-parent mom, uh, just her and I. Uh, she was extremely, we were extremely poor and never could afford to travel. Uh, but I had a big imagination. You know, I grew up in Montana, and the skies in Montana, I'm sure you've heard the term big sky country, uh, there sort of invites you to think big and, and wonder what's on the other side of those vast horizons. And so as a child, I just, you know, I, I grew a big imagination. But it wasn't until I was almost 30 years old that I got to travel and get to Europe. And in that moment, it was such a transformative experience. I just, like channeled all of this wisdom from these different cultures and wondered how how it was possible for some to never even have been able to experience that kind of uh, cultural exploration. And, uh, you know, visiting the smaller countries like Denmark and you could see their intentional use of space and how innovative they were with the design and having multifunctional uh, spaces that transform from one purpose to another. It just, it was a real aha moment. And from that point forward, I was bitten and have been traveling as much as possible ever since. And when you do travel, what kind of style do you have? Are you a like really hands-on kind of traveler? Do you like to just get, get right into the local communities where you are and, and meet people and, and help create uh, solutions when you travel what do you what's your style well it, it can sort of depends on uh, the purpose of the trip uh, whether it's personal or you know on a with my fiance or for hatch and with hatch we get very much in the mix and on the ground and working with uh, local communities and asking a lot of questions around like well what are the things that you're trying to solve for and Sometimes we'll, you know, the Hatch Adventures, which is one aspect of, of our organization, is really geared around um, horizon expansion, worldview expansion, but also working, you know, learning from those places that we're traveling to and, and through and working with them to help accelerate solutions if they, if they have things that they're trying to solve for. And we've done that in Mexico, Costa Rica, Egypt, uh, Cuba and you know other places as well. We just partner with on the ground folks and and really follow their lead on what they're looking to um, you know to accelerate. And you know Hatch's specialty, one of them is the curation of very diverse perspectives. And so you get a lot of different out of the box thinkers from different industries, uh, technology, engineering, you know arts and creativity, uh, science, and business world, and on and on. When, when you have that breadth of diverse perspectives scanning a challenge or considering those challenges uh, you get a really you know three-dimensional output of uh, perspectives and usually that uncovers some of the blind spots for those challenges and that's where those acupuncture points are for systems change and and solutions and give us an idea really of hatch 
the the mission of Hatch and and what what it is at its most fundamental foundation. Well, the mission of Hatch is to find and connect exceptional human beings that are working on the front lines of of big challenges and bring them together in a way that they can support and accelerate each other's work. Uh, we have a few focus. You know, we we've, we've been aligned with the UN SDGs, the the seventeen global goals, uh, for many years. We've recently focused more on environment and climate, equity and inequities, education, um, entrepreneurship, and emerging issues. And, you know, an example of emerging issues would be climate migration. Uh, the UN projects that there will be 250 million people pushed into climate migration within the next 20 years, and uh, that's significant. Suddenly, the refugee crisis that's happening, you know, quote-unquote, everywhere else in the world is in every coastline of every continent in the world. And um, there's another initiative that we're partnering with. Uh, we're going to Davos this next week. Um, the World Economic Forum projects that there will be, uh, it'll be, it'll take 132 years to close the gender gap. And we're partnered with a group called the Female Quotient to and, and 10 CEOs to prove that we can do that in less than five years. And so these are the sort of things that, you know, get us up in the morning, keep us up at night, and 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 keep us excited and it's so it's so ambitious everything that you do all these initiatives they just seem to be so ambitious and when we come back from the break i want to talk more about the way that you incorporate the mission the way that everybody is working together into this global community that has been created and, and continues to help I guess you could say, you know, when the the tide rises, the you know, it helps everybody. And it sounds like that's really what your intention is. So, Yara, thank you so much. Tell us how we can get connected with Hatch and with you while people are listening. Certainly. Uh, the website is Hatch, H-A-T-C-H, experience.org. And we, of course, have uh, LinkedIn, which is Hatch Global. And there's a, a Twitter feed. My email address is yaro, Y-A-R-R-O-W, at hatchexperience.org. And uh, feel free to reach out. And and there's also you know an application and nomination buttons on the website, various different ways to get involved. There's a next-gen program uh, for kids that are under 25 years old. Uh, so you, we have youth at the table for all of these discussions. And uh, they are, you know, they bring us a lot of hope or the, the brilliance that's right around the corner of our future leaders. I love that. Well, Yaro, I'll look forward to coming back and talking more with you about Hatch and all the other initiatives that you're working on and, and looking at some solutions that each and every one of us can take to maybe help make that change happen one person at a time. This is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. I'm here today with Yaro Grainer. He's a pioneer of social networking. He's been building communities. He founded Hatch. And we'll be right back, so stay tuned. Traveling to new places is good for everybody, but sometimes travel can be challenging. The good news is there are products available that can put your traveling concerns at ease. Unlock the potential CBD has in your life with Western North Carolina's premier supplier of high-quality hemp and CBD products. Visit our store at 28 North Lexington Avenue in Asheville and by visiting AshevilleHempFarmsNC.com. 
Green is good. Local food, less oil. Renewable energy, sustainable peace. Tree hugger. Say no to GMOs. Be kind to animals, don't eat them. Go solar. Coexist. Don't buy a dog, rescue one. Keep Asheville weird. We just read the bumper stickers on the back of a Subaru. Welcome to Subiville. Prestige Subaru. On the web at PrestigeSubaru.com. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with Yaro Grainer, and we're talking about Hatch and creativity, innovation, transformative experiences. And Yaro, thank you again for being here on Speaking of Travel. It's just such a pleasure to talk to you and find out more about your initiatives and, and what you're doing to help us change the world. Well, thank you so much for having me, Marilyn. So, Yara, we were talking about Hatch and and travel and how that all connects on a global level, but give me a little idea of some of the impact and, and even what impact really means when you get right down to it in the way that we look at that worldview and what what these initiatives are doing to help create an impact. Yeah, it's a it's a it's an interesting word, impact and you know, I think a lot of people think about these large, grandiose solutions, you know, Bill Gates eradicating, you know, certain diseases and 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 so forth. But, you know, there's a saying that we have at Hatch, is like, how do you save the world? Start with where you are. And sometimes that means just within yourself, uh, growing a higher consciousness means like how you're behaving with your family and your community. Um, there's a fellow, Anthony Mackey, who's uh, he's actually an actor on the the Avengers came to Hatch a few years ago, and, and one of his quotes was, if everyone in the, this country invested in their own backyard, the world would be a much beautiful, much more beautiful place. And so these are like these small one-step, two-step, you know, everyone's has potential to create significant impact in their own backyard, whether you're donating time for a local soup kitchen or walking dogs for the Humane Society. There's just a lot. Of, there's a wide array of things, park reclamations and so forth. But you know, some of the work that Hatch does, we find people that are doing things in communities around the world, and by bringing them together, they're able to exchange ideas and best practices and accelerate each other. Um, we also curate sort of ecosystems around certain topics, and so we take sort of a, a systems thinking approach and try to identify, you know, where the sticking points are, and then who we could curate that could help bridge that sticking point whether that's in policy or, you know, arts as activism. I mean, there's a, so many different um, diverse ways in which you can start to build an ecosystem. One example, um, we were, you know, in, in 2019, there's been increasing awareness around the toxicity of plastics uh, for humans. And a lot of people don't know, but, you know, we've been shipping plastics over to China for years and years and years, thinking they're magically disposing of it. And instead, they're just dumping it in the ocean. There's people that are like set up at the mouth of all these different rivers in India and Africa and, and China trying to like capture the plastic before it goes out. But so much plastic has already gone into the ocean and it's out there grinding up against each other and creating these microplastics that are ending up in our food stream and fish and also our water 
uh, streams. Like they're finding traces of plastic now in in mountain streams of Montana, Canada, the Alps. Um, and so we were partnered with, you know, we were asked to partner with a, a group called Soul Buffalo, a fellow named Dave Ford, who's part of the Hatch Network. And they were running expeditions. And, and between our organizations, we brought 160 executives from some of the largest creators of plastics in the world, uh, Procter Gamble, Unilever, Dow Chemical, Nestle, and so forth, with some previously adversarial relationships, Dow Chemical, or, uh, you know, these NGOs like uh, Greenpeace and uh, World Wildlife Fund and Ocean Conservancy. And we together, th these sort of diverse and almost like polarizing objectives come together to solve this at a human level. Um, we asked them to write letters to themselves from 30 years in the future, knowing that their children would be reading uh, what they did about this challenge. Uh, people had tears in their eyes. And over the course of four days, we had 12 of the 18 different, sorry, 18 different fund, uh, 18 different impact labs that were on the various different parts of the boat, uh, working on different parts of this problem. 12 of those were funded, and then it led to the Global Plastics Treaty being signed by the UN in March of this year. Uh, so, and that's just the beginning. There's, there's so much more work to be done, but to watch that needle get moved through the curation, the facilitation, the mapping of ideas, um, it's very fulfilling. Um, then again, it's like, <laughs> you know, scratching the surface on all of the inequities. I mean, COVID really peeled back the layer of so much uh, flawed systems and no one could have anticipated that the world's industry, like everything in the world could grind to a halt in the span of eight days and previously thought impossible. Once we saw that happen, it was like, there was a whole slew of us that were wondering, well, what else is possible? This might be the window of redefining uh, impossible to possible. So we've been working really hard um, you know, through COVID and since on which pieces uh, can create the most cascading effect. It's like, trying to find those levers that can create the most momentum. It's such a huge collaboration of networking and bringing people together. And, you know, I found during COVID, as I was talking to people from around the world who were travelers, who had been traveling all over the world, who had been on a mission to do something uh, passionate in their lives, were, you know, sitting in their parents' basement in Connecticut uh, with their laptop and wondering what just happened. And I found that people started to really create more of an inner journey. They couldn't go out and travel the world, so they were going inside and finding ways that they could get reconnected and, and create new ideas like you were just talking about yourself. So when you talk about that, do you find that people are receptive to coming on board and when you were talking about bringing these different organizations who are kind of, you know, polar opposites, is there some kind of mediation? How do you bring these people to the table? Do you just give them a call and say, hey, we have this idea? How does that unfold? Uh, that's a great question. And it's, you know, honestly, it's a case by case scenario of who you're reaching out to. And I think the first step is really trying to identify what is important to them. Like, you know, you can't really ask someone to come work on a challenge if it's not important to them. So trying to identify what all of the stakeholders are sort of currently geared to to consider, there's it's a complicated issue when you're talking about 
large corporations, you know, $300 billion worth of industry, uh, shareholders and investors and so forth. And so the exercise of bringing those different stakeholders that, that have opposite and polarized perspectives together is, is a really a, an exercise in empathy and getting, you know, creating the chance for multiple sides and mo- multiple stakeholders to hear what's important to the other and also the, the, the reality constraints that bind them to certain modalities, um, which at first might seem immovable. And once they start having the, the dialogue, they recognize that there's ways to, to come closer to the center. You know, another example, like we're, we're doing a hatch in the heartland next year and, you know, what some have sort of nicknamed flyover country. And when you look at the, an electoral map, it's a little bit of an oversimplification, but you see, you know, blue coasts and red center. And we're we're taking a summit to hatch uh, in, into 90 minutes south of Omaha at the Arbor Day Farm, a really beautiful place to have the conversations around how to rebridge civil trust and rebuild civic trust and 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 uh, build those bridges between polarized perspectives. Um, there are certain unifiers like food and health and music and creativity and love and laughter. Like those are unifiers that are universal. And so we start with some of those unifiers and then we sort of build out from that. But the whole um, methodology also is to really listen deeply and to to think about the other person's perspective and to grow that growth edge within your own empathy uh, to really understand why someone else is. And, you know, I think we as a country used to be much better at that. And it's time to time to, to do some rebuilding. Absolutely. When you talk about rebridging and just bridging each other, it's, you know, it's true. A global community really can make positive change and we can all do that one person at a time. So, Yar, when we come back, I want to talk about some of these initiatives that you're doing and and also talk a little bit about these hatch summits that you have. And and I, I definitely want to dive a little deeper into that next-gen mentorship. I think that's something that we all need to be hearing more about. So tell us again how we can connect with you and, and get more information. You can go to hatchexperience.org and fill out the contact form or apply. Um, that's probably the easiest way to do it. And you can also find us on social media and LinkedIn, Hatch Global, uh, Twitter, Facebook, etc. There's You can type in Hatch Experience or Hatch Global and you'll find us. That's great. Well, I'm looking forward to coming back and talking more and, and finding some solutions too that we can all perhaps practice right in our own backyard, like you were talking about. Just if we all could do something even in our own backyard, how much better this world will be. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. I'm here today with Yaro Grainer, and we'll be right back, so stay tuned. Whether you're traveling to points near or far or traveling on a life journey, every transition is an opportunity regardless of your stage of life. If you, a family member, or a loved one is looking to downsize, retire, or buy or sell a home, contact your trusted Mountain Community Advisor, Janet Oppenheimer, from Nest Realty in Asheville. As a senior real estate specialist, Janet will help and guide you through any life transition one step at a time. Contact Janet at nestrealty.com today, helping you find that perfect home to fit your next journey. Nest Realty. Fly me to the moon. 
Let me play among the stars And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars In other words Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with Yarrow Grainer. And Yarrow is the founder of Hatch and so much more. Yarrow, you're a filmmaker. You've got a lot of a lot in your life that's going on, all starting out as a kid growing up in Montana. How do you feel as you've grown up that you look back on this life that you led as a child? not traveling till you were 30 years old, and then now having this global network of people who are near and dear to your heart and, and making all this change happen. What does that feel like for you? What does it feel like for me? Well, I mean, honestly, the it's a little bit of a miracle that we sort of made through the, my mom and I, our, that first chapter. <laughs> the odds were definitely stacked against us. And she was working four jobs, you know, putting herself through her family's first college degree. Uh, every house we lived in for a couple of years was, I think it was like three or four homes in a row that were condemned in bulldoze, and we got to watch those go down. Um, we had members of different churches offering us free places to stay, but didn't have electricity. They had plastic stapled up, you know, stapled over for windows. And I remember like carrying water up the hill in these big snow banks to just have, you know, water in those cabins. Um, but honestly, like it always just felt like sort of an adventure. Um, but, but it's, it wasn't really until like later in life that I looked back and just thought, wow, we, we traversed a lot to get to where we are. And I have an incredible amount of respect for my mother. I, she was sort of the, you know, very much the first superhero, if you will, uh, that I ever had in my life that I looked up to like that. And you know, I had some really interesting experiences. Her first teaching job out of grad school was on the Rocky Boy Indian Reservation where I moved and uh, was the only white kid in the whole school. And they called me Little Custard. And that was essentially like the entertainment uh, for those two years of seventh and eighth grade. If I could get home before they caught me, I could, you know, live to see another day. But if I didn't get home before they caught me, then they would all hold me down and kick the heck out of me. But I also recognize, you know, two years later that that was a gift that I've been given, you know, as someone who is born in white skin and a male and has a lot of privileges sort of built into that. Um, the awareness came to me fairly early that I had been handed this lesson in empathy early on, and that shaped a lot of what came after that. You know, I started a company in Los Angeles based on the premise of finding and connecting real life superheroes. Uh, we grew that from 99 to 2003 as one of the the, the, the first, you know, social network sites in existence um, to about a million and a half people. And it was all based on, you know, finding these, you know, incredible human beings, but also recognizing that every one of us has this superhero born within us when we come to this planet and we must simply tap into it. And they act, they're very active, like being asked what your real life superpowers are and like defining that is itself uh, an exercise in self-actualization. And we started seeing, you know, all, all the molecules in your body begin to conspire to manifest that best self. And, you know, later we started running into scientists and uh, behavioral psychologists and, and others that, that gave us all this data that we didn't have on our radar. 
Uh, we were just sort of wanting to empower people to to feel their best and to to be, and act their best. Uh, there's a whole gamification model that tethered into rewarding people into activating their backyards. Again, that prompt of how do you save the world? Start with where you are. Um, you type in your zip code and you're given 10 things you can do within a three mile radius of where you live to impact your backyard. We started mobilizing people out into their communities and uh, it was a really powerful uh, chapter. Uh, and then, you know, we were acquired by a big studio in Hollywood and and I came back to Montana to kind of figure out what was next. And that's sort of when I realized that um, after about three months of feeling sorry for myself, because I actually did not want to sell that company at that moment, I was so passionate about it, but recognized that there were, that same purpose can come in a lot of different packages. And that's when Hatch was formed and, and uh, we continue to carry that work forward. And I really love the way that you carry it forward and that you're bringing the kids in this next gen mentorship. Let's talk a little bit about that because, you know, sometimes we forget, and I've seen this now in my travels, other countries, you know, they, they teach their children from a very early age how to respect their community, how to nurture and respect their environment. Some other countries, not so much. Give us an idea of, of how the next generations are being groomed and being fostered into um, more of empathy and compassion and being able to look to the future themselves to make change happen. Well, it's interesting. I feel like the over the last 20 years, through like us as organizers of Hatch, have been afforded a front row seat to, and I think teachers would have a, a even a much more uh, visible view of that, but like how each generation is different and they're becoming increasingly more aware, increasingly uh, more impact and purpose driven. They're, they're, they have more sophisticated language uh, by which they navigate. And um, just even like the ideas around climate change or, you know, sexual abuse and consent or, I mean, there's, the language that I'm hearing from youth these days is so much more sophisticated than when we first started hatching and even like much more when I was a, when I was a, a child. Uh, the, the tool set has grown uh, considerably. But you know, when you're sitting in, in a hatch uh, experience in a summit and, you know, I've seen this happen time and time again, where everyone's giving big applause to the scientist or the astronaut that's up on stage. And they sit down and then the 16-year-old kid gets up and talks about having two patents on turning human waste into electricity and everyone's jaw drops. It's like, oh, I was just totally condescending that kid a second ago. And, you know, he might have the brightest idea in the room. There was an instance on the ocean plastics boat where uh, someone who was representing a very, very, very large multinational company stood up and said, we're investing billions of dollars into solving this problem and we vow to go plastics free by 2060. And there was a, a, a kid who was a freshman at Stanford University that stood up and said, that's really inspiring. And with all due respect, that's way too long from now. <laughs> like you got, you got 15 to 20 years if you're actually gonna make a difference. And that bold, courage, you know, courageous uh, voice that's in the room, that's not bridled by inhibition is what we need. And we're seeing that with, you know, March for Our Lives and, you know, Greta Thunberg and like this, this, this generation is not stepping back. So 
when you know the way that it works with Hatch is that we bring the next gen to the summits um, on scholarship, uh, funded by either private donors or foundations, um, and they get integrated into the workshops, the roundtable discussions, the panels, just like everyone else. Uh, there's no difference. Um, we're also directly connected to mentors in the room that uh, have areas of interest that they might be leaning in on. You know, if somebody's really intrigued by uh, technology or AI or how to make a living through the arts, like we'll find the person in the room that's done that and connect them. And then we build them into a year round fellowship program. Um, and then the, the summit themselves is just a portal into all of these other experiences that they then get invited to, whether they are the Impact Labs or Hatch Adventures uh, and, and so forth. What a beautiful thing. We need more of this. We need more Hatch in the world, right? I mean, it seems like this is something that these ideas, bringing these kids to the table is is our hope for the future. Well, Yara, when we come back, I want to I want to talk more about uh, your travels. You were talking about going to Switzerland. Is that where you're going next to this big organization thing? Yes, I fly next Tuesday to uh, Geneva, to Montreux, Switzerland, where we're having to scout the palace where we're doing Hatch Europe next, next June. And then I go from there to a systems change forum in Flumes and then to Davos at the World Economic Forum in, in Davos uh, for that week between the, the 16th and the 21st. A busy few weeks, but excited to uh, be a part of this whole ecosystem of change makers. Absolutely. Well, we're excited to have you here to talk about it and give us some incentive and, and hope for the future. And tell us again how we can all connect. The website is hatchexperience.org. Uh, there's a button on there for contact, for applications to apply for one of the summits, and also nominations if you want to nominate a next gen or yourself or a friend. Well, I think that there's going to be a lot of people looking at how can I get involved here and, and help make this change happen and and create a voice. I'm beginning to really get an idea that more and more people are looking at how can I use my voice to make change happen. So when, when we come back, we'll pick right up with Yaro Grainer. He is here and talking to us from Montana. So we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Why not make the most of the beautiful winter season and plan your next vacation or staycation to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains? Create your perfect winter wonderland adventure in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Not just for couples, RomanticAsheville.com is a 900-page online guide covering a nearly 100-mile radius around Asheville, North Carolina. There are so many special places and awe-inspiring vistas around nearly every corner. And this is the perfect time to create safe and memorable adventures across western North Carolina. Visit RomanticAsheville.com today. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold 
Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with Yarrow Craner. He is the founder of Hatch, the community that is united creative leaders, helping to really create a better world through mentorship and creativity and innovation. And Yara, you, you know, when you think about innovation, you think about what's new. Are you seeing in your travels as you go around the world that people are really moving into a better place of being creative and being innovative? Well, my first reaction is yes. I think that people are, are continuing to hone in new tools and, and, and aggregate uh, more data and knowledge around the critical nature of the challenges we're facing. Um, but it's complex. You know, it's a complicated answer. I think that at the same point in time in this race between consciousness and catastrophe, there are others that continue to bury their head in the sand and are going to uh, become increasingly more difficult to move on their position. And we've just witnessed a lot of, of a lot happen over the last, you know, six, seven years around the polarization within our country and how just civil discourse and like general dinner conversation between different and opposing perspectives has become a, a bigger challenge to to bridge. So I'm not taking it lightly. You know, I, I believe that there are a lot of people that are um, coming out of the shadows to to step into the the work of helping make the world heal in a, in a better place. There's a lot more awareness around the inequities that have been peeled back by COVID and um, you know, George Floyd, his murder really propelled an incredible amount of activism and accountability for large corporations and equity. And yet, and yet there's just so much more work to be done. Well, tell us a little bit about the trip that you just took to Egypt, because that was kind of an epic trip. And it seemed like there was a lot of good intention that was coming from, from that trip. How did that trip unfold for you? Yeah, that was an epic trip. And I've been, you know, like probably everyone, a lot of people reading about Egypt since their childhood. But the the thing that really struck me was that you, it's a place you can't really read about. You have to stand in it and feel it and channel the hundreds of thousands of years of ancient wisdom that, that come from that, you know, what's been sort of called the, the womb of humanity. It's sort of the birthplace of, of humanity, the oldest skeletons being found in and Egypt and just below. Um, it's also the the origins of feminism. And at a time in which the the balance of world power leans so far into the masculine, there needs to be a real rebalancing of that masculine feminine energy. And so Egypt is the oldest documentary and the only documentary uh, documented um, uh, civilization whose gods were more powerful uh, as women than men. And centuries of dynasties were ruled by women and reportedly in balance. I and mean, we're talking about, you know, not just Cleopatra, but like Tusret and Hashtaput and Nefrati and uh, Mernith. There's like all these amazing women leaders that ruled these dynasties in balance. And so we took 45 people from all over the world. I think it was like representing 12 or 13 countries down the Nile, stopping at these temples. Each one was very, very different had a much different energy. They all impacted each of us differently. I mean, there was one that I walked into and I was just sort of drawn off to this right 
side of this temple and suddenly this huge shaft of light hit me and I just felt like I was channeling past lives and you know these are experiences that are just so unique that that and 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 also you know the first time we leave one of those temples and someone says something like that within our group the rest of the group is kind of like yeah really you know maybe maybe that person's a little off kilter and then by the end of the trip every single person has been impacted like that there is a real vortex there that's undeniable and and even our guy who was uh fourth fifth generation egyptian i mean i mean these his, his whole lineages from Egypt, uh, but he's like a fourth, fifth generation guide. He was talking about the pyramids and he's like, you know, the the rocks that make the the granite that makes these pyramids are, you know, between three and ten and sometimes twenty tons. And they're saying that they came by boat? I don't think so. So then we're like, well what are you inferring? And he like points to a hieroglyph and it shows these figures sort of levitating these rocks and, and, and you know, I've since sort of gone into a little bit more research on some of the theories around harnessing uh, sound resonance and audio waves to move heavy objects. So, and essentially it's like kind of where uh, the, the concept of, you know, George Lucas and the force was aggregated from are these like ancient technologies that, you know, some of the current archeologists are looking for signs of, that mirror our, our current technology. Like, how could you do this using our current technology? There's a whole nother set of theories that like, well, they didn't use our current technologies. They were using technologies that have since been completely wiped out and you can't find a trace of them anymore. And they were so much more advanced. And, you know, bottom line is like, no one knows, uh, but there's a lot of curiosity and, and especially new curiosity and new technologies with uh, LIDAR and certain other things that are being able to, tap into um, deeper parts of the earth to try to find remnants of these ancient technologies. And so anyway, it's also, uh, I found curious, like I was learning about the Nile. They have nicknamed it over the years, like the chakra, the spine of the earth and uh, the temples that go from the head to the heart down to the organs, you know, in your general areas. And, you know, in ancient times, to to become wise, you had to start at the bottom of these temples and, like, walk. It would sometimes take 30 or 40 years to walk vertically through all these different temples, and you would pick up different layers of wisdom and lessons along the way. So it was, it was an incredible amount of learning. We had a series of discussions around um, how to regain or rebalance the masculine-feminine balance and, and in uh, technology and business. Um, we had some incredible, uh, you know, minds on the boat, uh, tapping into, you know, both intellectual and also heart, uh, heart-led initiatives. So, you know, when, you, when, you're, when you're in a place that has uh, uncovered a 55,000-year-old skeleton, you know that you're um, humbled by, there was a movie I remember watching as a teenager called Grand Canyon with Danny Glover and, and some Kevin Klein. He was talking about the first time he ever went to the Grand Canyon. He's like, I just felt like look, all those rocks are just laughing at my problems. I felt like a gnat on the ass of a cow as a car drives by at 90 miles an hour. And that's it's kind of what it feels like when you're in one of those spaces of such ancient wisdom. I mean, you know, America's really new uh, as a country compared to that, that those, those ancient places. 
Well, Yarrow, it's, you know, I'm so humbled myself that you and, and your team and the people that you're bringing around uh, into this community are like our ambassadors, going out and being able to experience a world and, and feel it and, and bring it back and put it into new ideas and be innovative and, and help others to recognize that there is a bigger force out there and we can all connect to that. So I can't thank you enough for being here on Speaking of Travel and tell us again how we can get connected. And I know there are going to be people who will want to to sign up with you and, and get your new, you know, you, do you have a newsletter? Do you have a way that people can stay connected on a regular basis? Yeah, certainly. Um, one of our team members does an amazing job of putting together the, the Hatch Buzz, the Hatch News each month. And you can just go to hatchexperience.org and all the information you're looking for is there, whether you want to uh, underwrite a next gen to come as a scholarship uh, future leader or just sign up for a newsletter. Um, there's also a Hatch Plus membership, which is pay what you want. I mean, it's, it's a, we want to keep the, the barrier of venture really low. Um, you know, it could be a couple bucks a month, uh, but all of that goes into helping move the programs forward and helping us keep money from being the barrier of entry to experience uh, this networking and, and kind of worldview expansion. Well, Yara, thank you so much for what you do and keep doing it. And, and we're going to keep up with you on speaking of travel and follow your, your adventures and your service that you're doing all over the world. So again, thank you so much for being here on speaking of travel. Well, thank you, Marilyn. And really appreciate the work that you're doing and, helping everyone else uh, connect into these stories that you're telling and sharing and a lot of gratitude for what you're doing. Thank you. Well, thank you, Yaro, for being here on Speaking of Travel. So how many times have you been asked, what are you passionate about? What's your greatest passion in life? You know, the interesting thing about pursuing your passion is that doing something you care about on an emotional and intellectual level will end up getting you exactly what you want and probably even more of it. And travel is a powerful getaway to discovering your true passions. You're exposed to different ideas and cultures, and you're going to gain a spark of inspiration and interest in the whole world. For me, my travel passions take me exactly where I want to go and has opened many doors along the way. Travel really does open your eyes and show you the power of human beings and how we can all move forward and do better. So begin right now and just go. Because remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. 